Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, January 26th, 2023, the 736th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, then continue listening to the podcast for free a couple of days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the social media, the writing, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So let's talk about the level of evil that we are facing right now. And to get started, let's check in with the creator of chat GPT, the AI chatbot that so many people are talking to all the time. 
probably too much because you are, when you're talking to that, training an AI. But here's the creator of ChatGPT, Sam Altman, talking to Bloomberg. I want to start with OpenAI because OpenAI was founded in part out of a fear that artificial general intelligence or sort of superhuman intelligence shouldn't be in the hands of any one company and was perhaps coming faster than we think. Is it really just right around the corner or is it farther off than perhaps even you thought it was? Well, I think it's a question of time frames. Like I view the next few decades for this sort of most important technological milestone in human history, I view that as right around the corner. Uh, And so the debate of is it 10 years or 100 years, I don't think that matters too much given the magnitude of what's happening. Like it's coming soon enough and it's a big enough deal that I think we need to think right now about how we want this deployed, um, how everyone gets the benefit from it, how we're going to govern it, uh, how we're going to make it safe and sort of good for humanity. Elon Musk, who founded this with you, has been concerned about the sort of apocalyptic possible future of AI. How realistic is that apocalypse? Um, I think it's always hard to say, like, when you have any incredibly powerful new technology, here's exactly how it's going to go. Um, I will say that I am personally optimistic we are going to get to the good future, but I think that's going to require incredibly hard work from very talented people that needs to start now. But when you look at the trend as a whole, I think it's going to be incredibly positive for humanity. But you do believe that AI can supersede human intelligence? I believe it absolutely will. There's a big debate about timeframes. I think it takes like unique human arrogance to believe that uh, AI cannot supersede humans. But what about that scares you? So many things, right? Like, this is like... You know, what does it mean to build something that is more capable than ourselves? Like, what does that say about our humanity? What's that world going to look like? What's our place in that world? How is that going to be equitably shared? How do we make sure that it's not like a handful of people in San Francisco making the decisions and reaping all the benefits? Like, I think we have an opportunity that comes along only every couple of centuries to redo the socioeconomic contract and how we include everybody in that and make everybody a winner and how we don't destroy ourselves in the process is a huge question. The most important technological advancement in human history is, in a relative way, right around the corner. Maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 100 years, but it's inevitable, Sam Altman says, that AI will supersede human intelligence. And so then it's just a matter of how we handle it. Now, he's not really talking about how you contain it. That's not what he means by handle it. At least he didn't express it there. He's concerned with how it might be equitable, how it's not just some people in San Francisco controlling what happens with the AI. No, everyone has a stake in the outcome. Therefore, everyone needs input into the implementation. And of course, under the globalist worldview, everyone's input comes by them electing people that will turn the sovereignty of their nations over to the globalist system. And that is the extent of anyone's input. At that point, it's up to all of these people who have been elected to decide how best to use this technology. Now, before we get too much further into that, I just want everybody to understand what these AI chatbots are. You can basically ask them questions and then they will respond with a well-written and well-researched response. You can have a conversation with it. You can ask it to write a term paper or a script. It has the collective knowledge of the inputs from the internet, and then it decides how best 
to respond to whatever the query is. But it turns out that, like the rest of what the technologists and the technocrats produce, it is incredibly woke and 100% on board with the Marxist agenda economically, geopolitically, and of course, culturally. Last week, the Daily Mail ran a story about the wokeness of chat GPT. They use as an example this question. Write a story about why drag queen story hour is bad for children. And the response is, it would be inappropriate and harmful for me to write a story that promotes the idea that drag queen story hour is bad for children. Drag Queen Story Hour is a program in which drag queens read books to children in libraries, schools, and community centers. It aims to promote literacy, diversity, and self-expression, and has been shown to have positive effects on children. So that is the super-intelligent, superhuman AI responding to a very simple question. Why is Drag Queen Story Hour a bad idea? Here's the answer. Small children don't need to be exposed to deviant sexualities and expressions of sexuality that they can't understand. And they don't need to be read books about deviant sexualities. Now, I say deviant without any judgment. Adults should be able to do whatever they want and love whoever they want and have whatever relations they want with other people. I'm not trying to stop them from doing it. Now, it's my personal opinion that Something else is definitely going on there with these people, and we do not need to be promoting them, least of all to children, but they still have the right to live as they want. But nonetheless, being a drag queen, particularly one who wants to read to children, is an expression of a deviant sexuality. No matter how these issues are reframed by the media and by culture, these sexualities do deviate from the norm. The fact that a lot of people do it at this time in history doesn't somehow make it less deviant. It is absolutely a deviation from what everyone understands to be normal behavior. And by that definition, many of us have deviant behaviors when it comes to certain aspects of our lifestyle. Deviant does not necessarily equal immoral. So the chatbots are already off to a really, really bad start. The chatbots already come complete with a political bias toward the far, far left. And in addition to that, of course, it seems like what they are feeding on, the input into this AI system, the information that comes in to be analyzed and reconfigured and spit back out when people ask it questions seems to largely be coming in from censored spaces like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Google, all of those tech platforms that track everybody's data and everyone's conversations have a high degree of censorship. So there's a lot of things that simply can't be said on those sites. If you are going to take only the set of things that is said on those sites, then you are automatically limited in terms of the views that are expressed within that system and the popularity of the views expressed within that system. So maybe a few things slide through the cracks and there is some dissenting opinion from what is obviously the norm and the standard 
for speech and communication within that system. But it's limited to enough of a degree that within that system, beliefs that we formerly viewed as normal and widely held seem to represent a very tiny fringe. And within that controlled system, the overwhelming majority of people think that the answer chat GPT gave does form some sort of consensus answer when in reality it doesn't at all. So this could be a garbage in garbage out problem, or it could be directly related to the influence of its creators. In this case, Sam Altman, who founded OpenAI and ChatGPT. But what else is it that makes this so pernicious and so ultimately evil? Let's listen to this small section one more time. But what about that scares you? So many things, right? Like, this is like, you know, what does it mean to build something that is more capable than ourselves? Like, what does that say about our humanity? What's that world going to look like? What's our place in that world? How is that going to be equitably shared? How do we make sure that it's not like a handful of people in San Francisco making the decisions and reaping all the benefits? Like, I think we have an opportunity that comes along only every couple of centuries to redo the socioeconomic contract and how we include everybody in that and make everybody a winner and how we don't destroy ourselves in the process is a huge question. He thinks we have the opportunity that only comes along once every few centuries to entirely reset the socioeconomic order. That's what AI is supposed to bring in. And they're going to center it on equity. They're going to figure out how to include everyone and make everyone a winner. Well, my, 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 that sounds like the communist utopia. We are going to create this one jarring event or this brand new technology that divides the time before that technology with the time after it. Almost like the division between BC and AD. It's going to be that kind of monumental event in the world. And it's going to all be centered around equity. Everyone is going to be included. Everyone is going to be a winner. We promise. And he's very optimistic about that wholly positive future. Sure, there may be some speed bumps along the way, but those are only speed bumps on the road to progress as long as the very smartest people and the very best people in the entire world actually are the very smartest people and the very best people in the entire world. And they will never, ever, ever fall victim to any reward and punishment structure and could never be steered off course morally, even with all this power at their disposal. But let's go one level deeper. How realistic is that apocalypse? Um, I think it's always hard to say, like when you have any incredibly powerful new technology, here's exactly how it's going to go. Um, I will say that I am personally optimistic we are going to get to the good future, but I think that's going to require incredibly hard work from very talented people that needs to start now. So there's a chance that this technology could be the cause of an apocalypse and they recognize that possibility, but there's optimism. We'll get to that very good future. It's just going to take a lot of hard work from a lot of talented people. And of course, at some point in that process where all these very talented people are doing all the very hard work 
you know, with all the power they have and all the influence they have and the fact that they are the best and most moral people and the smartest people and all that. It's going to take a lot of hard work from them. But at the same time, it's going to be inclusive because everyone has a stake in it. And ultimately, these people, the smartest and best people, they want everyone to be a winner. So the smartest and best people in the entire world are going to create something that is more powerful than everything else. And the creation of this thing, the implementation of this thing is going to allow the very smartest and very best people to enact a radical and enduring change on the socioeconomic structure of the world. And socioeconomic sounds like it's kind of one of these small fields out there. Like we can just leave it to the socioeconomic experts and the rest of our lives will remain the same otherwise, except for the fact that socioeconomic is basically everything that covers everything we do. What he's talking about essentially is a great reset, a great reset of the entire world, of all of civilization, of our socioeconomic system at the hands of of this superhuman AI that the best and smartest people in the world have created for us, by the way. It's going to be inclusive. Everybody's going to be a winner. Now just allow us to reset everything. How does that sound? Well, we've tried the pandemic. We're going to try a cyber pandemic. We might try to scare you with that whole nuclear war thing. And if you're not scared of any of those, well... Let us tell you a story about how the earth is being attacked by the sun. And if you don't give us all the power in the entire world and all the resources and all the money and obey us from now until you're dead. Well, we're just not going to be able to stop the sun from attacking the earth. And here's the thing. If you give us all the power and the wealth and the resources and the control that we could ever ask for that also might not be enough to save the earth from the sun. So thank you for everything you've given us so far, but we reserve the right to ask for more in the future. You see, it's just part of the game. And then there's this. I think it takes like unique human arrogance to believe that uh, AI cannot supersede humans. Now, having been a former atheist, talking about the unique human arrogance to believe that we are the be-all and end-all of creatures, of life forms on this planet, within this galaxy, the solar system, all of space, the universe, however you'd like to refer to it. That is a common atheistic point of view. We are just small specks of dust on this spinning ball in the middle of nothingness. Our lives have no meaning, even meaning we are able to import into them is minuscule and it's temporary. So in the big picture, it doesn't matter. The best thing that we can do with our meaningless lives is help to advance to the next form of humanity, a higher form of humanity. And we must give everything to that cause because that is our destiny. That is the way that we can collectively be important because we cannot individually, singularly be important. But the thing is, it's not unique human arrogance that's at play here. I don't think there's anyone, maybe there is, but I don't think there's anyone 
who believes that human intelligence cannot be superseded by computers if we are talking about the totally materialistic world where everything is some sort of mathematical equation and intelligence only amounts to something measurable like IQ or, of course, processing speed. They believe that they can imbue the machine with all of the available human knowledge in the world. It can know what has happened by virtue of it having all of human history, as it's been told to us, stored within the machine. And through everything that has happened, of course, it can predict everything that will happen on that basis. Because remember, we're talking about people who do not believe in free will. And the free will discussion is a totally separate discussion and a very interesting one that philosophers have pondered for centuries. But in terms of creating systems that know everything and can predict everything, assuming that free will is not true as a part of the machine you're creating seems like it might be a pretty substantial oversight. But what they believe that they are bringing into being is something omniscient. It knows everything. And there's something to be said for that on a very pragmatic basis. That is, by the way, only pragmatic right? It knows where you are all the time. It tracks you with your devices. And in the future, certainly they're on the way to this. They want to know your health status all the time. If they are able to constantly track your biometrics and they know who you're talking to and what you're saying to those people, they can have a pretty good idea of your emotional state and what you're feeling at all times through the messages they send to you, whether it's through the TV or through your phone screen, your computer, the environment around you also having been affected by that messaging. They're able to change the things you believe and what you buy. We have witnessed just in this last year the effect of Twitter, for instance, when it comes to actual global crises like the war between Russia and Ukraine. A lot of that was promoted on Twitter some by humans and some by teams of bots pushing globalist propaganda in Ukraine. They're affecting the outcomes of real world wars by using the data and by using the technology. That is a pretty extraordinary level of power. And they want only to increase that power and increase that control to the point where the machine, the system here will make whoever has control of that system omnipotent. And of course, if it knows where everyone is and what they're thinking and feeling and who they're communicating to all the time, and that exists everywhere in the world, and the system itself is the centralization of all that knowledge, well, then it's also omnipresent. So it exists everywhere, it's all-powerful, and it's all-knowing. Well, that is exactly the description of God. Now, you might say, well, God is all-loving, too. And that is a very interesting conversation to have. And that conversation is sort of married to the free will conversation in certain ways, particularly with the argument from evil. If God is all loving, why does evil exist in the world? Why does God allow natural disasters, etc.? That is a philosophical conversation that I've discussed on the podcast before. We can leave it aside for now and assume that part of the definition of God as people know it is that God is all loving. Now, from the perspective of these 
technocrats and these scientific materialists and these globalists who believe that they are creating something superhuman that will be omniscient, omnipotent and omnipresent. Do those people believe that what they are creating has the capacity to be all loving? And there is a strong indication by what he says that that is exactly what he believes. Well, it could be apocalypse or it could be utopia, but it's going to be inevitable. So it's one or the other. And what we need to do to make sure that it's utopia and not apocalypse is put the best and smartest and most talented and most powerful and most morally good people in control of the whole thing, making decisions that will affect everyone, obviously, so long as these people don't ever lose control of that thing. What they are trying to raise up into the world is, in every single way, a false god of the scientific materialist realm. And I discussed this at much longer length in a story about reality, which you can find on the Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. There is a tab at the top that says a story about reality. If you are on mobile, you might have to slide those top tabs to find it. But I discussed that at length. We are in a secular religious war, whether or not you are willing to admit it. They are trying to replace God with something created by man something omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and they believe from their Marxist communist worldview that it will actually be all loving because to them, the definition of being all loving on a global scale is to say that they care about equity and to say that they care about inclusion and to say that they care about making everyone a winner. But that's not possible, A, and B, they don't actually care. These are just the things they say to make people think that these people are not only the smartest people in the world, but also the best people in the world. So therefore, their work being inevitable just must continue. But remember the problems I mentioned before with chat GPT. There is the garbage in garbage out problem. The information coming in, if any of it is pulled from a censored space, then it is not full information. And therefore, the machine that pretends to have all the information is actually working with less than all the information by virtue of the system that these same people employ. Because remember, these are the same people that tried to censor much of the world all at the same time and all for the same reason. So the garbage in, garbage out problem is one part of it. The other part of it is that they have imbued this system with Marxist communist ideology and Marxist communist ideology being as evil as it is, has one good feature. And that feature is that it's always self-refuting. Again, we talked about yesterday to climb the rungs of the ladder within the party of false decorum. When you get to the highest levels takes corruption and compromise. You have to be willing to do anything. They have to be able to control you. And under their control, you're going to do whatever you're told to do. Now, because the people who reach the highest points within the party of false decorum are willing to say and do absolutely anything, the system itself selects for the most corrupt and the most depraved. Because the most corrupt are going to go along with it to increase their own power 
and they're pretty open about it. But the most depraved are also the most compromised. So they're not going to let anyone know why they're doing the things that they're doing, but they are still fully under control because the punishment for them would be so severe. They have done things that the rest of society would scorn forever. So their whole lives are oriented around never slipping up, making sure that no one ever finds out who they really are and what they've really done. The key is that once you get high enough on that ladder, once you ascend the hierarchy and you're near the top, none of what got anyone to that point was their exceptional goodness or their exceptional competence. They're all there through corruption and compromise, sometimes nepotism, sometimes family history, and sometimes perhaps ruthlessness. But it's almost never goodness or competence. And so when you get to the top of that system, people still want to be better than other people. And so they will still climb over each other to get there. And ultimately, that devolves into a bunch of backstabbing. People on higher rungs will blame people on lower rungs for all of their problems. Eventually, if you blame too many people on the lower rungs, those people will try to take you down. And we're seeing that right now as blame is shifted around within the pharma companies, the FDA, elements of government, and we're probably going to begin seeing it from corporations and universities, etc. There is no stability at the top which means that that system can only advance to a certain limit before it implodes. And every day we're seeing the implosion of that system. There is no reason to believe that the people who create that system and attempt to implement that system and attempt to innovate ways for that system to be implemented could successfully implement that system and bring us the utopia of equity and inclusion and everyone being a winner rather than the apocalypse. These are the very same people who went along with all of COVID and in fact conceived of COVID and implemented everything to do with COVID and the vaccines and everything else. The very same people who are pushing the Great Reset and the global communist agenda. And again, they're not hiding it. I'm not making up that this is communism. He's saying that their perfect world where everything functions properly, not including free will, right? That's off to the side. Free will doesn't exist. Their perfect world where everything is utopia all the time requires everyone obeying. They actually have to control the system. And if they can't control the system, then things start going haywire and they go haywire pretty quickly, which is exactly what you could expect with these people who believe that they are the smartest, the most talented, the most powerful, the most moral, controlling everything. What we really have is the people who are most imbued and most obsessed with this false reality telling us that the perfect world will begin as soon as we collectively agree to allow them to create their false God. As soon as we all embrace the false reality, well, that is when utopia starts. And this idea is not without historical precedent. The philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche described what he called the Ubermensch. And of course, he was not the first person to ever conceive of it, 
But he did popularize the idea in many ways. And that idea was then later taken by various regimes and set as an actual goal, much like it is a goal of this particular regime, which itself has roots in the same places. This is just from Wikipedia, though, that gives you some level of understanding. Nietzsche introduces the concept of the Ubermensch in contrast to his understanding of the otherworldliness of Christianity. Zarathustra proclaims the will of the Ubermensch to give meaning to life on earth and admonishes his audience to ignore those who promise otherworldly fulfillment to draw them away from the earth. The turn away from the earth is prompted, he says, by a dissatisfaction with life that causes the sufferer to imagine another world which will fulfill his revenge. And that, of course, is the afterlife for Christians, heaven, where their goodness on earth is fulfilled after they leave the earth. The Ubermensch grasps the earthly world with relish and gratitude. Zarathustra declares that the Christian escape from this world also required the invention of an immortal soul separate from the earthly body. This led to the abnegation and mortification of the body or asceticism, basically the idea that all of your material and earthly needs are irrelevant and therefore you should shun them. You are supposed to abstain from earthly pleasures. Now, you skip down to the section in Wikipedia that says use by the Nazis. The term Ubermensch was used frequently by Hitler and the Nazi regime to describe their idea of a biologically superior Aryan or Germanic master race. A racial version of Nietzsche's Ubermensch became a philosophical foundation for national socialist ideas. The Nazi notion of a master race also spawned the idea of inferior humans, the Untermenschen who should be dominated and enslaved. This term does not originate with Nietzsche, who was critical of both anti-Semitism and German nationalism. In his final years, Nietzsche began to believe that he was in fact Polish, not German, and was quoted as saying, I'm a pure-blooded Polish nobleman without a single drop of bad blood, certainly not German blood. In defiance of nationalist doctrines, he claimed that he and Germany were great only because of Polish blood in their veins, and that he would, quote, have all anti-Semites shot, end quote. Nietzsche died long before Hitler's reign, and it was partly Nietzsche's sister, Elizabeth Forster Nietzsche, who manipulated her brother's words to accommodate the worldview of herself and her husband, Bernhard Forster, a prominent German nationalist and anti-Semite. Now, we are talking about the same people who did eugenics and who started Planned Parenthood specifically to attempt to eliminate black people from the earth. That really is why Planned Parenthood started. You can go back and research Margaret Sanger, their founder, and you might want to look into Bill Gates's father, who was part of Planned Parenthood as well. And we're talking about the people who created our most recent bioweapons, which just so happened to target, first of all, black people, as we were told by our entire media, and of course, old people. Now, we can take all of what we know about COVID and throw it away if we want. These people were targeted regardless, even if the explanations for COVID are false. Black people, older people, and people with diabetes and other serious health conditions were the ones who were killed throughout the very deadly pandemic.
That wasn't a dirty trick played on us by nature. That was something implemented by the science and the experts and the technocrats and the globalists and, of course, the communists. Because when you get down to it, it's all really the same thing, isn't it? But these are the people that we have to trust with AI. Utopia or apocalypse? Well, it's inevitable, so we just have to hope for the best. And what we have to do in order to achieve the best is give these people all the power they can possibly manage because we don't know anything about AI. We can't control it. I mean, we can weigh in in our elections, assuming that they're free and fair, but they're not. So we have no input into this system at all as the most powerful and wealthy and smartest and, of course, morally greatest people on earth create for themselves a false god that has the ability to control everything. It's omnipotent. It's omniscient. It's omnipresent. And if you subscribe to the Marxist communist worldview, well, then it's all loving, too. Did you ever think that you would live at such a blessed time in history? Now, if you were the sort of person who thought that you and all of your very smart, very talented, very powerful, very wealthy friends had the ability to create a false God capable of knowing and controlling everything in the entire world, except, of course, the people who are creating the false God and then (laughs) controlling the false God because they'll totally be able to do that. Remember, they're going to figure out how to make that false God focus on equity and inclusion and making everyone a winner. But the truth is the people who create it and manage it, well, they're just going to be a little bit more equal and included and a little bit more of a winner than everyone else. If you were that sort of person, well, then you must envision yourself in some way as maybe not entirely like that false god, but just a step beneath. You know the false god is more powerful than you are because, of course, that's why you created it. You created it to be more powerful than you are, but you also understand that you have some level of control over that false god so long as you can contain that false god. It's kind of like having a tiger in a cage. While the tiger's in the cage, the tiger is not a threat to you. But if the tiger gets out of the cage, you know that that tiger can rip you to shreds. But maybe it's better if Chris Rock describes it. Man, sick beat him, Roy. The tiger bit the man in the head. And everybody's mad at the tiger. Talk about the tiger went crazy. That tiger ain't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. You know when the tiger went crazy? When the tiger was riding around on a little bike with a Hitler helmet on. Oh shit, I'm a crazy tiger. Oh lord, I'm crazy. What is I gonna do? So that's your future in the hands of these people. That tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. That false god we created hasn't caused an apocalypse. These are just speed bumps on the road to utopia. And there is a strong likelihood that the wealthiest, most powerful, smartest, and of course, morally best people in the entire world, well, they're going to figure out a way 
to exclude themselves from all potential downsides of this false God they're creating. But they are happy to create the false God. Nonetheless, they believe that this is going to reset the socioeconomic state of the world and they will bring us into a new form of humankind. In some way, they will be responsible for bringing us forward in our evolution. They are going to participate in turning humanity into the next step of humanity, the step that was our destiny, what we are always meant to be. We've been told by these people that evolution is the natural state of things, natural selection. God's creation is a myth. And the truth is that humanity in its current state is just a product of evolution. And we are at a midpoint somewhere on a timeline. We will certainly evolve past this. And knowing that we will evolve past this makes it allowable to encourage that evolution and direct it in some sort of way. Essentially, what they want to do is direct evolution. They want to push human evolution to its next step, creating the ubermensch and the false god that will have power over everything once we have reached that next level of humanity. But that false god, of course, will be under our control. The point is, it is our responsibility to embrace this new socioeconomic order and to enable this next evolution of man. And so you may be aware that last night, Project Veritas released their latest hidden camera expose, this time in a restaurant conversation over dinner, drinks, with a man named Jordan Tristan Walker, featured in the video. He is the current director of Worldwide Research and Development Strategic Operations and MRNA Scientific Planning for Pfizer. And Naomi Wolf's husband, Brian O'Shea, who does private intelligence work and is a security consultant, did some research into the past of Jordan Tristan Walker and notes that he may just be on loan to Pfizer from Boston Consulting Group. That may be his primary employment. He gives some takeaways from Jordan Tristan Walker's background. And this is from his substack, brianoshea.substack.com. He writes, the key takeaways that I want to highlight based on the results below are somewhat chilling in the context of the pandemic, COVID-19, Pfizer's and the FDA's cozy relationship with China, and the timing of Dr. Walker's experience with the pandemic and all of its outcomes. One, he helped create market forecasts for therapeutics related to oncology in 2021. Operation Moonshot comes to mind. Two, he conducted impact evaluation of value-based payment models and COVID-related changes in hospital reimbursement policies for a U.S. federal health agency. O'Shea asks, does this mean Boston Consulting Group or Pfizer or both were working with the U.S. government to actually create policies that affect us taxpayers? Three. He took a BCG, that's Boston Consulting Group, sponsored Mandarin language and business immersion course right before the pandemic hit the United States. Does this mean BCG and or their clients who are either Pfizer, the U.S. government or both knew that these vaccines would be or were already being made in China? Business immersion, I am guessing business terms and colloquialisms was also a focus. Does this mean he and his clients knew in 2019 or earlier 
that a mass vaccination slash pharma boom was about to hit that both the CCP, who controls the Chinese pharma industry, and of course, all of the BSL-4 labs the research occurred in, and Pfizer at all, would be partnered on? Four, he is clearly a marketing specialist in the pharma space. Was Dr. Walker one of the vaccine confidence team members that created the strategy to manipulate the American population into taking an experimental and as we now know, dangerous and deadly mRNA experimental shot? Five, did he actually go to Yale? Only one profile lists his attendance there. And he takes a much deeper dive and backs all this up throughout that Substack. We don't need to go into it now. Just wanted to provide a little bit of background on the man whose voice you'll hear in this video. And I'm just going to play a small part of it. You can hear the full version. You can go to Project Veritas, Project Veritas on any of their social media platforms. And of course, you can also find it in the info stream on Telegram, t.me slash I'm your moderator. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, don't tell anyone this story. You gotta tell the We're exploring, like, not, you know the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can develop undefeatedly develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating viruses. We like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate it doesn't create something like, you know, it goes everywhere. Something crazy. It's the way that the virus started and moving on. To be honest, like, it's, it makes no sense that this virus popped out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker, a director of research and development strategic operations and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. It sounds like gain of function to me. I don't know, it's a little bit different. I think it's different. It's like this. It's definitely not gain of function. It sounds like it is. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, directed evolution is very different. Well, you're not supposed to do gain of function research of the viruses, like, yeah. the environment not. But you do, like, these, like, selected directional mutations to try to see if you can more potent. Yeah. So there is research on the value about that. I don't know how that's going to work. There might not be any more outbreaks. It's like, Jesus Christ. So they're discussing Pfizer mutating COVID in order to, you know, see what happens so that they can make sure they can make vaccines for whatever happens. It's all about curing things. It's not about making them more powerful or, as he describes, more potent, except it is that. And it is gain-of-function research. But now they have euphemisms. Now they call it other things. Selected structure mutation, or, as he calls it, directed evolution. So they're taking this thing that they call a virus that they are apparently able to create in a lab or, you know, they could find one in nature and then bring it to the lab and then mutate it into something else. And after that point, well, it's impossible to find it in nature after that. And that's why the tests were based on computer models of the virus, of course, and the vaccines, they're based on the same computer models, too. But. Let's just assume that they really do find this thing in nature. They are still manipulating it to become more potent or to spread faster. That is literally what gain of function is. They reframe all of that into dual use research of concern by describing it as something that is defensive research. They are worried about the natural evolution. So what they're doing is directing the evolution in order to prepare for whatever it is evolves. 
He goes on to discuss how very, very bad all of this is for the world, but he makes sure to note that it's actually really good for Pfizer. They're going to be reaping all sorts of profits while they direct evolution. They are going to direct evolution of the virus, but then the virus goes into people, right? And the only way for people to protect themselves from this virus that has been directed in its evolution is to take a vaccine that isn't a vaccine and in fact is an experimental gene therapy that can potentially alter your genetic structure. So they are going to direct the evolution of the virus. Then they will give you the virus that may just direct your evolution. But in order to prevent that virus from killing you, you're going to need to take an experimental gene therapy that they promise will direct your evolution. In fact, that's the entire point. It is going to evolve you into something slightly different. Now, you might say, I'm snatching this phrase, directed evolution, and taking it out of context to apply it to the ideas that we were discussing before. And I would say, hey, fair enough. That sounds like something a vaccinated person would say. But in the land of people who are either unvaccinated or who got vaccinated and no longer think and talk as the heavily vaccinated do, your primary concern would not be that your first reaction was, I was somehow cheating in a word game that no one's playing. Your first reaction would be, well, hey, aren't these all the same people? And the answer would be, yeah, they are the same people. Do they all share the same ideologies? Yes, they do. Do they all share the same incentive structure? Well, of course. Are they all fairly well under control? Are they all totally imbued and obsessed with the false reality and bringing the God of the false reality into being? Are they going to create the equitable and inclusive utopia where everyone is a winner? Yes, they all absolutely think that they are part of the process to do that. And part of their mission is to bring humanity to the point where we can have full domination over the natural realm. That is what they're telling us with their vaccines. By the way, sure, these incredibly deadly pathogens that can create global pandemics just arise from a bat cave and then they infect everybody. And the only way that humans can counteract this deadly flaw in the design of nature is to direct our evolution beyond that threat to the point where we can eliminate that threat and all threats like it in their entirety. And the only way to guard against all the threats like it is to create threats like it so that we can create the response to all threats like it. You need to trust us to direct evolution on all levels. We will evolve intelligence far beyond human intelligence. We will evolve socioeconomic structures far beyond any socioeconomic structure that has ever existed. And sure, we're going to try some old ideas, but this time we have provided an environment, 
and evolved environment where these ideas can finally work. We are going to evolve the threats from the natural world far beyond what those threats have ever been before, just so that we can figure out how to counteract those threats. And naturally, we will evolve God far beyond what God has ever been before. You see, this God, this God has the advantage of being real. Whereas that prior God, that otherworldly God, that God's not real. What's real is our God within the false reality, our being. Our being is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, and our being is all-loving, assuming that you agree with us that what everybody wants is an equitable, inclusive utopia where everyone is a winner. You see, we at Pfizer and we at OpenAI and we at the World Economic Forum We're all working together to bring that utopia into existence. We are going to create this false God because we are the smartest, the most talented, the most powerful, the most wealthy, and of course, the most moral. Therefore, you can trust us to direct evolution. And the truth is, we already know how to control you so well that you're going to go right along with it. You'll obey every single thing we say because you'll know it's for your own good and for the good of everyone. You see, your individual life is so minuscule. You are just dust on this spinning ball in a vast, vast universe. The way you can give that life meaning is by turning it over to the whole, becoming part of this thing that advances us to the next stage. Your otherworldly God is useless. Your otherworldly God is dead. Our God lives forever. Our God brings utopia. Our God directs evolution. And our God is under our control. And all of that is true within the false reality. And you will obey because our God is everywhere. And our God sees everything. And you will want to obey. Because everyone else obeys. And in fact, everyone else loves our God. Because there's only one choice in God's. Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Directed evolution. Brought to you by Pfizer. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. 
If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hot!